Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Loving the unlovely is what I've entitled this lesson today, or walking away when we should. You know, we don't think of that often, do we? That when in our dealings with people, that from time to time, we either need to let them walk away from us, or us walk away from them. You know, the scripture that we have, that we had as our lesson text, it says, our text speaks of not resisting. Christ said when someone strikes you on the right cheek or slaps you on the right cheek in the English standard to not resist. You know, we often think of that, well, we shouldn't do anything to protect ourselves, right? We we shouldn't do those things <clears throat> to keep ourselves from harm's way, but that's not always the case, is it? Sometimes if someone's going to harm you or your family, then there is a time to resist, But that's not always the case that we should be ready to resist at every instance, is it? Many commentaries speak to this not resisting as not seeking revenge. Not seeking revenge. And I think that's what Christ had in mind in that when we're struck, it may be that we're not to seek revenge on that person. Remember, God has said that He had reserved back to the nation of Israel long before that He had reserved vengeance for Himself. So when we seek vengeance for ourselves, are we putting ourselves in the place of God? I think so. I think we are. Christ gave uh, many commands, didn't He? And in some of those commands, they're difficult. And in walking away, so how are we to love the unlovely, those who are unlovely, and walk away when we should? Now looking at those commands, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to do that. We're to go and proclaim this gospel of love to everyone. That's Mark 16, 15. We're to love others as we love ourselves, Matthew 22, 39. We're to love one another, speaking of disciples of Christ, John 15, 12. Then Romans 12, chapter 12, Paul was inspired to write that is, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so we have these where we're commanded to love, we're commanded to not resist, we're commanded to not seek vengeance, we're commanded to live peaceably as much as it depends on us. So how can we love those who are unlovely? How can we proclaim the gospel to those who don't want to hear the gospel? How can we proclaim the gospel to those who desire to do us injury? In Will's prayer, he prayed for the missionaries that we have not only in this country, but in other countries that they often put themselves in harm's way. They often hazard their lives to proclaim the gospel. They really are dealing with the unlovely, aren't they? With those who would physically harm them and their families as the only thing they're trying to do is proclaim a message of love to them from God. That God so loves them that He sent His Son to die for them, that He sent His Son so that they may have the hope of eternal life. And people want to kill them for that message. In these commands that we're given, we're also commanded to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So as we're going about proclaiming this message of love, 
Christ said to his disciples when he sent them out two by two, he said, be wise as serpents. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't like snakes. All the good ones are dead as far as I'm concerned. But they're pretty smart, aren't they? In that they find a way to avoid us for the most part unless we just corner them and then they'll strike out at us. Christ is not talking about striking out. He's talking about being wise as serpents so that you don't put yourself, as snakes try not to do, in harm's way, but to be innocent as doves. So as we're going about proclaiming that, we need to be wise in our dealing with others. Matthew, that's in Matthew 10, 16. And then be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Paul was inspired to write in Romans 16, 19. Wise as to good, innocent as to evil. So again, as we're going about, we need to be innocent in evil, but wise in doing good. And then continue on, be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Infants in evil. Be babes in evil. Don't, don't deal with evil. Be as a baby. Babies don't deal with evil. You know, they cry a lot sometimes. They demand things of us, our time and our attention and the things we need to provide to them. But they're not evil. So we're to be infants in evil. Be, don't be evil, but we're to be wise. Or in our thinking, we're to be mature. Shake off the dust on your feet. Matthew ten fourteen. Again, when Christ sent, the two, sent them out two by two, he said, if they won't receive you, if they won't receive your message, if they just won't listen to you when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet and move on. So even Christ in that day, when he sent them out two by two, said, there's a time to walk away. Now, does that mean Christ said, I don't love them and I don't desire the best for them? No. When we walk away, does that mean we don't love them and we've given up on them eternally? No. But it means our time needs to be spent also in other areas, not in that one place where it just will not be received from us. It may be that someone else can come and proclaim the same thing and be received. Christ said there's a time to move on. Let's look at some examples of that. People are different, aren't they? There are good people in the world. Webster's definition of good is having moral qualities best adapted to its design and use or the qualities which God's law requires, virtuous, pious, religious, applied to persons and opposed to, as opposed to bad, vicious, wicked, or evil. So there's some good people in the world based on Webster's definition. They're not evil people. They're good people, but there's also some evil people in the world, aren't there? There are people that go about their whole total intent in life is to do harm to others, to not do good to others, and to mistreat anyone they come into contact with. God loves them all. He loves those who are good. He loves those who are evil. God sent his son for all. God sent that gospel message for all. But sometimes... We have to walk away, even from those because they are so evil or they're so calloused to the message, we need to walk away. We're to be like God in that we're to love them all, even as we make that decision, it's time to move on and go and spend our energies in another area. We need to be like God and continue to love them. Does that mean we can exist always in everyone's presence, even if we love them? No. God desires us to proclaim this good news. Some will receive it. Others will not. 
Some will live peaceably with us. Others will not. And then what are we to do? What are we to do when we're doing this, when we're trying to live among these people that some are good, some are evil, some are desiring of hearing this message? You know, we we have reports from time to time, missionaries that come here and they give us the message and they tell us how many people have listened and heard that message. And then out of that, how many people have responded to that message? But what they're not able to give us is how many time, how many of those people who heard that message and didn't even give them any kind of response, good or bad, they walked away. They heard the message, but they walked away. So let's look at some of that. As we proclaim that gospel, some will accept it and some will obey it. Others will come to hear the gospel, but leave. What do we do then? Look at the examples of Christ. The rich young ruler in Matthew nineteen sixteen through 22. Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This man heard the gospel message, didn't he? He asked Christ, What have I got to do to be saved? How can I be saved? Christ gave him a list of deeds that are commandments to follow. And he said, I've kept all those. What else? What else? Christ told him, and what did the young man do? The young man walked away. What did Christ do? What did Christ do? Did Christ chase him down and say, oh, no, no, let me tell you something different. No, no, come back, come back. What did Christ do? He let him walk away. Christ had planted the seed. We're not given anything else about this rich young man's life, are we? We're told that he walked away sorrowful. He had heard the message. The message had made an impact on his life because he came to him full of hope. He came to him desiring to be saved, but he walked away sorrowful. The message was planted. It had, it had what pricked his heart, hadn't it? But he was not willing to receive that message and follow it, was he? Sometimes we have to let him walk away. Christ let the young man walk away. We can hope that at a later time, this man remembered his, the message that Christ had given him, and he remembered that time. Hopefully he was in that crowd on the day of Pentecost. Now hopefully he heard the message from Peter, and hopefully he was one of those 3,000 that day. Only God knows. The disciples... Stop following Christ. In John 6, verse 66, summing up a long passage here, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Christ had been teaching and saying, unless you eat my flesh, unless you drink my blood, you cannot be my follower. And the Jews are saying, what? What What is this man talking about? Eat his body? Drink his blood? God never commanded us to do any of that. And here this man is saying, we've got to eat his body and drink his blood to follow him. And they said, too hard for us. We're not following you. And they went away. 
The follow-up verse to that is Christ looked at his disciples and said, will you two go away? But also notice what Christ did. He turned to those disciples, the twelve, and said, will you two go away? He didn't chase down the multitudes that had been following him. He let them walk away. Again, the message had been received. They had heard the message. They walked away. Christ let them walk away. Judas, John 6, verses 70 and 71. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was one of the twelve, was going to betray him. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Judas, Christ knew when he chose Judas that Judas was going to betray him, yet he loved him. He empowered him to work miracles. He was one of the two by two set out that was able to cast out demons, that was able to heal the sick, that was able to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven is is at hand. Judas went about doing those things. Christ said, one of you is going to betray me. Then if we skip forward... John 13, the disciples looked at one another when Christ said, one of you will betray me and uncertain of whom he spoke. And one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Now to jump forward in that, Soon after receiving the morsel of bread in in verse 30, he, that being Judas, immediately went out and it was night. Christ let Judas go. Judas, who had been with him for three years. Judas, who had proclaimed that gospel message of that time, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Judas, who had probably cast out some demons, who had probably cured some sick people. Christ let him go. He had been a follower of Christ, a close follower, and Christ let him walk away. You know, we think evil of Judas, but he, and he was a thief. John said he was a thief because he carried the box and he often took from the box. So he was a thief. He was a betrayer. He was treasonous and those, all of those things. Yes, he was all of those things. We would say he was an evil person. God loved him. Christ chose him to be his disciple, to be one of the close ones to him. Out of all those multitudes, he was one of the twelve chosen. He was one of the ones that was said to him, to you it is given to know the meaning of these parables. Remember the question they asked Christ? Why do you teach them in parables? To you it's given to know the meaning. Judas was one of those asking that question. But Christ let him walk. In each each case here, or I I skipped one, at the Gadarenes, remember Christ went across in the boat and the man met him that had the demons and the demons were cast out into that herd of pigs and the pigs swine ran down the hill and jumped into the lake and were drowned and the people came out to see what was going on and they said to Christ, We want you to leave. Leave. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. 
Did Christ stand there and say, no, 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 you don't realize who I am. You don't realize what I've done. You don't realize what I came here to do. He got in the boat and left. Christ walked away from these people who had seen a great event. This man who they couldn't chain, they couldn't keep him chained. He broke the chains. He would rip his clothes off. He went about screaming. He lived in the tombs. And yet here he's sitting at the feet of Christ in his right mind. And the people see this and they say, how'd that happen? They say, Jesus did that. And they say, you need to leave. You need to leave. And Christ left. In each case, Christ had proclaimed good news, but he didn't chase them to bring them back. We can only do as Christ, proclaim the good news and allow the good news to work within each person as it will. You know, the parable of the sower. Some of the the seed was sown on good soil, some on rocky soil, some on thorny soil, and so on. The seed, Christ planted the seed. Then it's up to the soil whether the seed comes up or not. We can only do like him. Others will be antagonistic to us as we attempt to live the Christian life. What then? We're going about, we're doing our best to live as Christ would have us live. We're following that gospel. Yes, we're human. We make mistakes. We sin from time to time. We do those things that are displeasing to God. And then God has said, you can come back to me. You can repent. You can ask for forgiveness and I will forgive you. That. We're putting all that aside. There'll be other people as we try to live that life that will not be happy with us for doing that. Let's again look at some examples of Christ. John 8, 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Christ was teaching in the temple and he's talking here about Abraham and he's talking about who he was. And because he said before Abraham, I am, they picked up stones to stone him. This is the perfect son of God. This is the God, the son who came to give his life for all of them. They tried to stone him just because he was teaching them the truth. John eight fifty nine. they tried to seize him in that same one. So they, uh, excuse me, I messed up on that. There they, in that same event, in that same chapter 8 of John, I copied the wrong verse here. In that same chapter 8, before they took stones, they tried to seize him to keep him from leaving. But he hid himself and escaped. Remember in our verse and our lesson text that we looked at, resist not evil? These people had evil intent. They were going to kill him by throwing rocks at him. And he didn't resist the evil one, did he? He did resist by going away but he didn't pick up rocks to throw at them you throw a rock at me I'll throw one at you no that's often our reaction isn't it you hit me I'm going to hit you harder and you hit me again I'm going to hit you even harder that's usually the human reaction but Christ gave us that example in that they had evil intent to him when they tried to seize him and he slipped away when they tried to stone him he slipped away his own hometown in Luke four twenty nine. He's teaching them in the synagogue. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. These people were antagonistic to one of their own, as we'd say, sons of this town, the, city of the town of Nazareth. 
He'd gone and sat down in the synagogue and he opened the scroll to Isaiah about the proclaiming the gospel. And he said, today this is fulfilled in your ears. I had infuriated them. Why? Because they knew that passage in Isaiah was speaking of the Messiah, was speaking of the Son of God, and for him to sit there and say, today it's fulfilled in your ears, he, t- he said to them, I'm the Son of God. They took that as blasphemy, and he went out of their midst after they had pushed him and shoved him and drug him and were about to throw him over a bluff to kill him. And he passed away. He didn't resist them by attacking them physically, did he? Christ walked away from his hometown because they resisted him. They conspired against him, John eleven fifty three. So from that day on, speaking of the scribes, the Pharisees, and the priests, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but he went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Here he had been proclaiming again a message of good news. God loves you. God wants you to be part of his kingdom. God wants you to come and live with him forever. God wants all these things, and they were taking counsel. How can we kill this man? The leaders of the nation said, we've got to put this man to death. He doesn't deserve to live. Now today, we don't have the leaders of the nation trying to put us to death so far. But in each case here, Christ eluded them, didn't he? He didn't resist physically by fighting back. He resisted the evil one by showing them good. He went away from them. He went to a place where they were not. Remember that Romans 12, 17, as much as it's possible, live peaceably with all men. Well, he couldn't live peaceably with them in that last reference, so he went to a different region where they were not, so he could live peaceably. He walked away from them. We don't have to stand and argue. I'm not talking about a a defense of the truth of the gospel. We are always to be ready to give an answer for that. I'm not talking about that. I'm speaking of arguing just for the sake of arguing because someone started an argument in our mind with us and so we're going to argue back with them just because we like to be argumentative. We don't see that in Christ and his example, does he? Now, he defended the things that he taught and he sometimes said some things that were very strong that did prick people's hearts, that did infuriate them toward him because they were hearing the truth of what he said. They didn't like the truth that he was pointing out in their lives. But he didn't remain argumentative with them. He pointed out the truth. If they received it, that was great. If they didn't, he walked away. I'm speaking of arguing for the sake of arguing. Matthew 10, 14 again. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Again, that was when they were sent out two by two. But still, if they won't receive you, shake the dust off and move on to someone who will. Our persecution probably not be physical, but it'll be emotional shaming. It'll be verbal abuse, social media attacks, etc. Those was what probably happened to us in this country in this day. 
In other countries, it may be physical attacks. But in this country, we're going to suffer those things, which I'm not saying don't hurt. They do, don't they? Emotional attacks hurt. Vicious words hurt. Social media attacks hurt. Those things, all those things hurt, and they're so unchristlike because we didn't see Christ doing any of that, did we? He didn't, he didn't make those vicious word attacks. He didn't use, because social media back then was different, and I'm not saying it wasn't there. It was different then than it was today. Before social media, we called it the grapevine. He didn't use the grapevine to attack people. We should follow Christ's example and walk away not seeking revenge. Come back to Matthew five thirty nine. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. There's a time to proclaim that gospel. There's a time to be there and, and approach those people. But there's a time when you've planted that seed and you've done all you can do and they walk away to let them walk away. There's another time when you've planted that seed and they're being vicious towards you in some manner. It's time for you to walk away. We have to deal with those people from time to time. Put this all in the light of proclaiming the gospel, but there's other things within our lives. There are people within our lives from time to time that has nothing to do with the gospel that we should allow them to walk away from us or we should walk away from them so that we can live peaceably with all men as we're commanded. God's desire is for all to come to repentance. God's desire is for all to live a Christ-like life. Some will do so. Some will come to that repentance. Some will not. Some will live that Christ-like life. Some will not. We may have to allow some to walk away, and we may have to walk away from some. Mankind has proved since the beginning that not all of mankind will avail themselves of the blessings that God is prepared to give to his followers. You know, we prove that mankind has from the beginning. It was not seemingly not long after the creation of Adam and Eve that they were sin, that they sinned and God drove them out of the garden because they didn't want to take advantage of the blessings that God had prepared for them. We call that paradise. Will you be a follower? Will you hear that gospel? Will you hear that message of love that God has brought and be a follower of his? There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.